0: Y'all, please take a seat. Well, welcome to the Springs Community Church. My name's John. If I hadn't had the chance to meet you, I have the privilege of pastoring the body here. The first thing we want to do is say, welcome and Merry Christmas. I know that it's not always shared amongst every person. It depends on a lot on background and life and experiences. But one of the things that's true of me is I love Christmas. I love getting to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done in my life. I love getting to celebrate the truth that he came in the form of a baby to grow to be a man. I love the tradition of it. I love getting to see family. I love the hymns that we sing, the lights that I see when I drive through neighborhoods at night. I love Christmas. And there's a part of it that really stands out to me as I think about Christmas. And the part that really stands out to me is the fact that I get to be with family. Now my wife and I we've lived in New Brunswick a little over a year but before that I grew up in North Georgia. I've got family still in Georgia. I've got family in New York. And Christmas is a time where no matter what we do anything we can to be together. 2 years ago I can remember my family they really demonstrated this for me and my wife. My wife at the time she was pregnant, we were in our third trimester. So essentially what that meant is we can't fly. We couldn't go to New York to see my sister and my brother-in-law. We couldn't go back to Georgia to see my parents, my grandparents. My aunt and uncle, they, they live in Indiana, usually would go there. Usually, we always go back to see them. And this was the first time, really the only time, family came to see us. Why did they do that? It's because they wanted to be with us. They wanted to be with us. I can remember my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law. They came. They live in New York City, so Manhattan. So for them, it literally looks like they jump in a cab. They have to take an hour-long cab ride to get to LaGuardia. Their son, back then, he was a little over a year. My nephew, his name's Will. He doesn't ride in cars. He's not used to that. They don't take cabs. They just walk everywhere. So him getting in a car is nothing but car sickness. To where literally they have to plan for this trip to the airport. Where they plan and they think about it in terms of, okay, how many bags are we going to carry for when he gets sick? So that's part of the way they come. They then have to travel through airport security, LaGuardia, madness of the day, get on the flight, make sure everyone's settled, make sure he's calm, endure a four-hour flight to get to San Antonio, and then get back in the car after a long day where he will again probably be sick a few different times all the way to get to our house. And excuse me, at this point, we were living in Dallas. That's my sister and my brother-in-law. My parents, now my parents is a little easier for them, but for some reason, and maybe it's just a, a parent or at this point a grandparent thing, they feel this responsibility to literally travel with close to 12 suitcases for two of them. Like my parents basically end up almost shutting down baggage claim on their own. We need an extra row in the car so we can't take the whole family. Why? Because got to make sure there's extra suitcases and it's not all presents. Why do they go through all of this? Because they wanted to be with us. I love Christmas because the morning of Christmas, you come and you wake up, and my nephew, he's little. There's this brilliance to it. There's the excitement of the day. In our family, first thing we do, first thing we do is stockings. Like, we go all after stockings. My mom, she'll usually buy, like, magazines, people don't really read magazines anymore, right? She'll buy magazines, but she'll put them in there. There's more candy than anyone should ever have. A a couple like gift receipts or excuse me, gift cards to places. And then anybody here recently been to to Target, right? Okay. I can't really see y'all because there's a lot of lights, but that's a bunch of liars. You know that $1 checkout section at the end of Target? Half of that ends up in our stockings, Right? So that's our stockings. So we start the morning with stockings. It's the first thing. We're there. All of a sudden, we put on the background pentatonics, Christmas music. I have heard them sing that Christmas album so many times. We live in Dallas, and it's Christmas, so of course. We wish it was cold outside. We wish it was snowing. We wish we could do all of that. But it was like 80 degrees out. We have this fireplace, but we can't really set that up because nobody actually wants to get warm. So what do we do on Netflix? Anybody seen that HD fireplace you can turn on that has that crackle to it? Yeah. So so we set that up, and then comes breakfast. Breakfast for for us, it's usually the same things. It's pancakes, it's blueberry muffins, and a sausage and egg quiche. I love every bit of it. Why? Because I get to do it with them. Because they've come to be with us. From there, we usually shift kind of out of the morning because folks are usually then a little tired, right? We'll do a gift exchange where usually, hey, everybody gets one present and we shift it up and then the evening starts to come and we like to go see a movie if we can. But before the movie, we go and we play white elephant. Anybody here ever played white elephant or Yankee dude or anything like that? It's the game, okay, a couple of y'all. It's the game where you really see two different personalities, two different personalities. First personality is the well-intended person right, who comes, let's say it's a $20 limit, they buy, well, hey, that's actually pretty nice, for $20, I'd love to take that, I'd love to keep that. And then the other person, this tends to be my brother-in-law or me, who they then buy like the gag gift, the thing that no one really wants, but everyone else loves to laugh, is they end up getting it. It's the game that starts funny, ends passive-aggressive, right? Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. And then from there, you put a smile on, and you're like, fine, grandma, I'll take the blanket, Right? And then you get ready, maybe eat leftovers because you had a big meal or you had fun during the day and you get set. And for us, we try to go see a movie. I love Christmas. My family loves Christmas. And the main reason why is, yes, for me, I come and I celebrate the birth of a Savior. But I'm also, I'm also reminded of, I get to be with my family. Tomorrow morning, I will wake up early I will take a two-year-old, almost two-year-old daughter through security on a plane all the way to Georgia to get there as fast as I can to wake up to try to see family white to be with them. And why would they come and make that trip to see us? Because they wanted to be with us. The cost was worth it. The sickness in the car was worth it. The hassle of 14 bags was worth it. The difficulty of not knowing where to go in the airport was worth it. The inconvenience before the inconvenience after packing everything to a suitcase, it was worth it. Why? Because we got to be together. They got to be with us. I I share that story this evening. I share that story on Christmas Eve because the thing that I really want to spend time talking about is the reality. If it's not just me that loves Christmas because I get to be with family there's a reality of the first Christmas story, Jesus Christ being born in a manger. His love for family so drove him. Why? He wanted to be with us. That song we sang, for those of you, maybe perhaps you grew up in church, or you're back to it, or you've never heard it. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, that word, it means so much. And we're going to spend time this evening talking about, really, what does that word mean? But one thing it absolutely implies is the reality of Christmas is that God would do anything. He has done everything to be with me and to be with you. If you've been hanging out with us the past few Sundays, we've been, we've been traveling through this series. We're calling All I Should Want for Christmas. All I should want for Christmas. We're calling it that because as we head into Christmas, as we head into tomorrow morning, we love presents, we love trees, we love families, we love eggnog, we love doing all that. But we know the reality of a heart is it tends to drift away from what it's really all about. And so we fought these past few weeks to align our heart to the things of God where we've talked about different values, different principles. And I want to end the series tonight by talking about the greatest gift that has ever been given. How all I should want for Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us, and everything that that word implies. I think this this talk, it matters so much because it's so helped me in my own life. Because when it comes to Emmanuel 1, I think there's the reality of many of us sing a song. And yes, we know it's associated with Christ. Yes, we know it's associated with Christmas. But really, the heart behind us, for, for many of us and for me for a long time, it's meaning it was missed. The other reason I think that this matters so much for you and it matters so much for me is even though I come to Christmas and I celebrate a story, I celebrate the truth of knowing he loves me so much, he stepped out of glory into humanity, never leaving behind his godhood, but embracing a real body for me. He came and he lived a perfect life. He died on a cross and he rose from the grave three days later and he doesn't look at me now and say, be a better version of yourself. Try harder, get it together, stop sinning. He doesn't do that. He comes and he says, I did all of that so I could be with you, Emmanuel. I did all of that because I love you. And all I ask is that you believe. E- even me knowing Having a, a, by God's grace, real, true conviction of, I believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. I believe Christmas is the moment that looks to Easter where he came because he chose and he loves. Even though I believe all of that, what can be true of me is that often in my heart, I tend to think, but does he really care? Of course he died. Of course he loves. I get all that. I wouldn't say that. But the reality of, hey, does he really care? Here's what I mean. When I pray, does he really hear me? When I ask for help, does he really help? Does he know my name intimately? Is he close? Is there an intimacy with Emmanuel? Or is there a distance? Is there this far-off understanding of a higher power that I've just so-called Jesus Christ? Or is it no? Because of faith, he calls me brother. Because of faith, I call God father. Because of faith, I have his spirit within. Is he near to me? The reason I think Emmanuel, God with us, is all we should ask for for Christmas is because as we begin to understand that, It is the key that unlocks the heart. It is the key that reminds you and reminds me on Christmas. God is always near. He is ever lending graciously. I I, I can even think about reading this morning. I spent some time reflecting, not having anything to really even do with this text. And I came across a psalm right at the end of Psalm 119. It's verse 132. Where the psalmist, he just has this prayer where he says, Turn your ways and be gracious to me. He's asking for help from God. And the next part of the psalm is really the heart and soul of Emmanuel. The next part of the psalm goes on and to say, As is your way for those who love your name. Does God care for you because he has to? Or does God care for you? Does he care for me because he wants to. God with us. Emmanuel. The verses I want to look at tonight, it's just out of Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at three verses, and really we're not going to spend time breaking down the verses. We're going to use them as a launch pad into that one word. If we had more time, man, we'd go through the whole thing. But we want to understand, what does it mean for God to be with us? I think it can really be understood best in two different categories. The first one being His nature. What, what does it mean that Jesus Christ was fully God and yet fully man? How could that even be possible? Why does that reality matter on a Christmas Eve in 2008? The second thing I think that it speaks to, the reality of God with us, Emmanuel, is the truth of his character. His character is in his personality, his motives, his intentions, his heart for you and his heart for me. Why do I want to spend time talking about this? Because as we break down, as we seek to understand Emmanuel, here's what I think we're going to discover. Emmanuel, what does it mean? The text says it itself, God with us. And we will see God with us. It really proves God loves us. If you have a Bible, turn with me. We're going to read those three verses again that we read at the start. It's Matthew chapter 1. To set this up, the first time you see the word Emmanuel in your Bible, it's in, it's in the book of Isaiah. It's chapter 7. Isaiah the prophet, he foretold that the Christ, the Messiah, he would come to be born through a virgin, and the child would be named Emmanuel. What you're seeing here in the book of Matthew is he's written to a Jewish audience. He's seeing the fulfillment of this is the one. The Messiah has come. God is with us. Picking it up again in verse 20. Behold, an angel of the Lord. Luke, Luke would say that this is likely Gabriel, but we're not entirely sure. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And this is the reference back to Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us, it proves, it shows, it pleads on God's behalf that God loves us. The first way that we see this, it's really through the nature It's through the reality of what Emmanuel really entails. There's a component to it. Where Jesus Christ's coming, it's called the incarnation, as many of you know. It's where he chose, he stepped down from glory into humanity. He picked up a body of flesh where he would be tired. He would get hungry. He would never sin and yet face the afflictions of sadness and loneliness. Wondering, hey, where would he sleep that night? Where would he eat? He stepped out of the comfort of heaven. On our behalf, he chose humanity. Yet as he chose humanity, what he never left behind was his deity, the reality, he's God. Here's why this matters. Here's why the nature of God matters. Here's why theology matters. Jesus Christ had to be fully God so as to live a perfect life, to pay for a perfect sacrifice, atoning for my sins and atoning for yours. But he also had to be a man. He had to be a man so as to be our substitute and to die on our behalf. The nature of God speaks to God with us, Emmanuel. God loves us because his nature proves he had to die for us. There are many different areas of my life where even leading up to this, there are things in my life where consistently I give myself over to a way of God or that is not a way of God. There's something about the holidays where it brings this almost sense of nervousness and anxiety, where even with my spouse, my wife Taylor, who I love dearly, it's easy to be short. It's easy to not be gracious. And those can be my good days. Jesus Christ died for every moment of that in my life. He also died for every moment where for me, first 22 years of my life, as much as I was able to before that, I would have described myself as a follower of Jesus Christ. I would have said I was a Christian. Throughout that time, through my attitude, through my actions, right, through my intentional, my willful disobedience, what I really did was I dragged the name Christian through the mud. I was hypocritical, I was insincere. And there was really no intentional connection to God. It wasn't until I fully came to really realize, Emmanuel, God with us. I don't have to work my way to him. God with us means he came down to me. I don't have to be a better version. I just have to believe. Here's why the nature of God matters. Those years that I dragged the name of Christian, those years that I dragged the name of Jesus Christ through the mud, they are forgiven He is with me. Even now, even now, as I go to get on a plane tomorrow to fly back to see family, that for many years, that family saw me proclaim Christ. Many of them saw me as the religious one, and yet they saw me hypocritically drag the name of Christ through the mud for years. And it hurt them, made a mockery of this so-called Christian faith. And because of it, when they think of reasons about why would I believe in that, I added to their concern. God forgave me for every moment. Why? Because Emmanuel, God with us. God will give me grace and the redemption of that story and the truth of what Emmanuel means in my life when I go back tomorrow. Why? God with us. The other thing it really speaks to is God's character. It speaks to his heart, his motives, his intentions the things that he really feels for you and for me. God with us not only speaks to his nature, but what it meant for God to come and have an intimate connection to where we call God Father and to where Christ we call brother. I wrote down some of the things that I think that this reminds me of as I think about the character. I think the character of God, God with us, it means It is strength for the faithful. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, here's what you know. You walk in an abundant life, but this life is not always easy. It it comes with its ups and its downs, and in every up and down, we cling to the reality, strength to the faithful, God with us. It gives comfort to the broken, the moments where you get the phone call or the diagnosis or the divorce papers or, or the child. That you wish tomorrow when you saw there was more joy than what will be there. And you grieve that. When tomorrow you go and you see family members where there's tension and it's hard. And then there's family members that you wish that were there but have since passed. And there's grief. The heartbroken. There's comfort. Why? God with us. It's freedom. From the chains of sin. God with us means, as a follower of Jesus Christ, there is nothing in your life that so shackles you. You cannot, by his grace, walk in victory. The, the the relationship with my wife, what it means is because of his holy spirit, it only gets better. It's because though my life was broken in the past, now by his grace I'm prevailing in faith. There's a freedom. Means peace to the anxious. The moments where you stop and you worry. And you think about all the things that mean so much in the moment, but with perspective, you back out and you realize this is nothing. God with us means peace for the anxious, courage to the fearful. The moments when you go and you think through even engaging or inviting someone to a Christmas Eve service or sharing your faith or talking to someone to try and resolve conflict or going and engaging with a spouse and saying, this marriage is mediocre at best. I don't want that. As followers of Christ, we're called to more. It's courage to the fearful. It is, man, I love this one. It is patience to the doubter. To the doubter, both being the one who, before even coming to faith, sits there and says, here's what I don't believe. Here's what I can't trust. Here's what I can't consider. Emmanuel, as God says, I've come to unite with you. I'm with you. I have mercy on those who doubt. All the way to those. Those of us in here who are followers of Jesus Christ, and we come and we celebrate the the son born in a manger. And yet, in our mind, we think, really? Really? Really, and we cling to yes, really, in every moment of doubt, Emmanuel, God with us. Here's why this so helps me, because for the longest time, I could have told you, hey, God, he loves me. But there was this disconnect with the love. There was almost this mentality of, yes, there's love because he's supposed to, and he's God, and that's just what it is. But does he like me? Emmanuel means... He will never leave me nor forsake me. Emmanuel means he will help me in every moment when I am lonely and heartbroken and trying to figure things out on my own. Emmanuel means he wants to only improve and bless and strengthen, even in the midst of tragedy and circumstances and pain. Emmanuel means he wants to help me be a better father than I in my own ability am able to do. Emmanuel means there's hope for in me a faithful man, a faithful husband. I have a helper. God with us proves God loves us. It's shown through his nature. That's why he came. He embraced humanity and deity in one. It's shown through his character by the way that he loves. God with us Shows God loves us. That story I told you guys about uh, that family Christmas, that was December 2016. 2016, my wife, she's in her third trimester. Towards the end of that trimester, she ended up delivering on February 14th. We have a beautiful baby girl. Her name's Lily. She's almost two years old. Healthy baby girl, so fun. She's probably actually in the nursery giving people a fit right now. When she was born, though, she was born extremely sick. She was born extremely sick. We thought she would die the first time a doctor gave us a reference further than, hey, we'll see over the next couple of hours, was after two weeks of being in ICU. I can remember the moment where, where she's delivered. There's a moment where she has a pulse, but she's not breathing. She'd lived off 20% oxygen for close to 12 hours. They went and they took her to an emergency surgery. A life flight team came and took her from one uh, NICU and they had to take her to another. Why? Because there was a more extreme form of life support that we had to get her. They came and they picked her up and I can remember standing there because my wife, she obviously, she had to stay back and recover from the surgery. And I can remember going and in the whole moment pleading with God, I don't know what to do. First time father. And standing there. Now, our daughter, she went through a surgery. They were able to get a connect to this formal life support. This life support machine in her hospital room, it was so big, it took up the entire space. There was no place for a chair. There was no place for a couch. We could not literally stay with her. My wife, she was in the other hospital recovering. Her parents were in town, so they were taking care of her. I moved into this small, tiny waiting room at the end of the corner where you could not turn the lights off slept there for eight days. Why? We wanted to do everything we could for our daughter to know. We were with her. There was a moment I can remember even the first day coming, it's after the surgeon they come, they tell you all these things and it's a very bleak outlook and none of it looked good and we're just praying for faith, holding on for everything and they gave us these. I don't know if you know what this is, if maybe you're a physician, you've seen this, they called it a lovey, I have no idea why. Well, I kind of have an idea why. We could do nothing. We could not stay with her. We couldn't be in the room. There were folks coming in constantly. We could come and visit, and then we had to leave. They gave us these because there was never a moment where my wife got to hold her daughter. There was never a moment where I got to hold my daughter. There was no skin-to-skin contact, none of that. And they said, here, keep this on you, and then you can come and you can lay it beside her bassinet. And hopefully the smell will familiarize. It will bring comfort to her. We were militant about these lovies. We were militant because even though we couldn't in that moment, we want to do everything we could that our daughter would know. We want to be with you. We want to be with you. I can remember staying there for that week. Eventually, my wife, she was able to come. Every night, we'd stop. We'd read with her. And we would pray. We'd spend as much of the day together there as we could. My wife, she'd go home with parents, recover. I'd stay in the room. After day eight, we came. And eventually, they came to me and said, hey, you got to get out of this waiting room. I went back, and I stayed with my wife. For the next three weeks, we spent every day at the hospital. After day eight, she got off one form of life support but was still on another. Day 17, day 17, I'll never forget. We've been transferred from one NICU to another. It was the first time we got to hold her. We got a picture of it. We'll show you. It was the first time we got to hold Lily. The whole time we'd been there before, they had these webcam things that you could go home and you could watch your daughter. We would plead. We would pray. We'd do anything we could for her to know we are with you. We posted in her room these Bible verses everywhere. We knew all the nurses' names. We came and we got her this music box because when we played this certain song, you could see almost like her blood pressure lower. Anything we could do for our daughter to know, we are with you. She stayed in that ICU for 47 days. 16 day or 14 days before she left, we got her moved into a room because she was able to get off of the ventilator. We got her moved into a room that had a couch. It was literally an answered prayer for us. We asked people to pray for them when we get a room with a couch. My wife spent the next 14 nights on a hospital couch every moment, every beep, every sound that went off from a hospital sensor, hearing Lily. Before that, my wife, she wanted the privilege, she wanted to nurse. So before, for the first four weeks, before she was able to spend the night there, every night, she would wake up, and she'd set an alarm every three hours, so she could wake up and pump. Why? So that once she was able to, she would be able to be with her daughter. To hold her We did anything we could for Lily to know we were with her. I finally, I ran out of time on vacation. I had to go back to work. And my wife, she just spent the day there. She became basically the best nurse. Anything we could do for Lily to know we were with her. My heart before we we were pregnant, I, I wasn't opposed to children. But I also wasn't necessarily excited for it. I can remember Taylor my wife she really did lead us in that conversation where children are a gift from the Lord the fruit of the womb a reward I didn't understand that and she came and said this is true for 47 days I did everything I could for my little girl to know I was with her and that was from a dad who almost a year before his wife was having to talk him into here's why this really matters if I so desperately wanted to be with her that she might know I love you, I am for you, I will never leave you, I will cherish you, I will protect you, I will nurture you, I will raise you, I will tend to you. If I so wanted to be with her for that, how much more must a good, a perfect, a kind, a righteous, loving father be? God with us Proves. God loves us. The miracle of Christmas is O come, O come, Emmanuel. Lord, come be with me to ransom captive Israel, to free me, the people of God, from the bondage of sin in a focus on you. And what does that create? Rejoice. Rejoice. Let me pray. And then we're going to sing two songs. Father, I thank you for the reality of what Emmanuel means. I thank you for the truth that Emmanuel means you with us, both in your nature and what is true and what you teach and what is right, as well as in your character. How you do come and you came to save us, you came to set us free. You come with comfort and tenderness and love. Lord, may I never forsake. May the people here who wrestle with the thought of you, the concern of you, may they not think they have to work their way to you, but may they instead understand you came down to be with them. They don't work their way up. You treasure them where they are, and all you ask is believe. How you come to be born in a manger, it was to symbolize and to signify the truth. You love us. You love us, and you want to be with us. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel.
1: Say and sing with us. Sing rejoice. So rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Shall I come to thee, old oh Joy, sweet joy, see me So come to me.
0: Cry out to God, and you say, God, come, come, be be with me. And the heart of the Christian, the heart of the Christian, here's all it understands is the truth of Emmanuel. The reality that God has come to save me. He was born in a manger. To save me. He lived a perfect life to save me. He died a sinner's death on a cross to save me. He rose from the grave to save me. He will come again to put an end to everything as he has saved me. That's why we sing. That's why we gather Christmas Eve. That is why we hold lights. You see, this faith, it's something new. It's something different. It first started by being called the way. It came not as a moment to overthrow a political government. It came not as the wisdom and the philosophy of men. It came as the truth from God, a rescue and redemption mission sent from the Father. He came to save us. And church, that's a light that we hold. That's a light that we have and as followers of Christ on Christmas, in the same way Christmas trees shine bright in darkness, we are meant to shine. As he came to be the light of the world, we are meant to reflect that light to a watching world. So what I want to do now as we transition and singing this next song is I want to remind us of that. Oh, I need more light. I want to remind us of the truth. He came to save us. He came to set us free. And it started on a night that while I don't think it was literally silent, it has so been symbolized in the solemn reality of a God who loves us. And from that silent night, what God calls for you and he calls for me is never silence. He tells us to go and to tell the world, to share that light, to share the reality of he came to save us. So what I want to do is I want to ask us to sing, but as we sing, I'm going to ask certain folks to come forward and take this light. And as certain people come and they take this light, what they're intended to do is to go and share it with others. So if you got a lighter, don't light yours. And as you see this come, as we sing over this moment, silent night, here's what I want you to think. In to pray. God with us. He came to be with me. Why? So that I could go and tell the world He wants to be with them. God so adopted me. God so brought me into His family. He wants to send me to be a part of theirs. It started silent night, holy night. It ends in the reality and the understanding He came to save us and he calls us to tell the world. Join us now in song. God With us, he brought light and it started in a manger. He grew to grow to where one day, by about, by about the age of 12, he'd walk into a synagogue and he'd open the scrolls of Isaiah and he would proclaim to the world, The Son of Man, the Son of God is here, your Messiah has come. He'd live a perfect and a sinless life till right about all the way to 33, but at 30, he'd choose, Hey, I'm going to take this message, and I'm going to go public in a different way. He chose to be baptized, why? To save us. He walked this world teaching truth, calling men to himself, healing the blind, fixing the lame, mending the brokenhearted. And then there were people who meant to put him to death. There were people who meant to extinguish the light, people just like me, people just like me. And they eventually led to his death, and even from his death on a cross, knowing the light that he came to give, he hung there, and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I came to be with them, and behold, I always will be. He died. He died separated from the Father, but he rose three days later, united, showing his strength, Demonstrating to the world that not only does all of history change, but light, true, brilliant, pure light had come. That God, he chose to be with us. And for those who believe, he would always be with us. God with us proves, shows, pleads on God's behalf. God loves us. If you don't know that love, don't leave without asking somebody about it. If you don't know what the true meaning of Christmas is and how it's a season of joy and celebration of God being with us, not a time simply of traditionalism and ritual and just seeing family gifts and presents, but the real meaning, don't leave without asking someone, what does Emmanuel truly mean? We thank you guys for coming and spending this time with us. We really do. I pray as you go into Christmas and New Year's, you have a tremendous time of worship. And this light that you carry with you now, don't put it out, man. Let it shine and shine bright. Why? He came to be with you. And he will never leave you. Emmanuel, God with us. If you want to join us, we'll have celebrations outside. But go. Have a great time of worship at Christmas. Have a great time of worship at New Year's Eve. If you want to join us next week, you can join us by watching online from home. But the first Sunday in January, man, we'll be back. And we cannot wait to get after it. Have a great time. Bless y'all.